Hey guys, it's Jesse and Hannah. And I sound like I ate like six frogs filled with <laughs> nails. So <laughs> off to a good start right from the right from the top. Yeah. And this is a podcast where we talk about the L word because it's the fucking best and worst. <laughs> um <laughs> That statement endorsed by one host only. <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. To be fair, this was a pretty good episode. It was. It was. But before we talk about the episode, let's talk about life stuff. I love it. Hannah, you go first. Oh, okay. So I just last night got home from New York. I was there for the weekend to speak at the Jewish uh, Book Council's um, Jewish Children's Writers and Illustrators Seminar. Um, And that was really fun. Um, It wasn't a whole lot of people because you had to like pay to see the seminar, but it was people who were like really invested in learning and stuff and they were really hanging on our every word. So that was kind of wild. I was the only person on my panel. I was on the the author panel, but it was, Mm -hmm. I was the only one who didn't do picture books. So I had a kind of different perspective. So they were all like, you know, grown ups doing picture books and I'm there like with my fucking tattoos showing just like, Hey, so like whatever. Um, but people told me afterwards, authors can have tattoos. Yeah. Well, can Jewish ones? Um, there was a, yes, (laughs) there was a funny moment when I was, we were just going down the line, introducing ourselves and I was talking and then this woman, most of the people there were like quite old and this woman, she whispers and she's not quiet. She's so young. And I just, I just, <laughs> I just stopped in the middle of my sentence and went, I'm not that young, damn. And then people laughed. And so that like brought it up to a good start because I like when people That's laugh so right away. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. So that was fun. That. Yeah. And it was my first time being back in New York since I moved away three years ago. So it was funny to be mm-hmm. back. I got to see my best friend, which was really nice. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm actually going to be going back to New York probably in a few weeks. Where's this thing that I'm really excited about? Where, oh, yeah. um, yeah, so for people who don't know, I have this disease called ankylosing spondylitis, and I got uh, reached out to wow, grammar by this um, organization. I don't want to give too many details away yet, I'll talk more about it specifically, like when it has happened. But it's a arthritis cool. organization, and they're doing um, like a goofy kind of web series to raise awareness about <gasps> the disease, and they're casting actual patients. I love that. Yeah, so it's, like, cheesy and fun, and it sounds really cute, and it's produced by the people who do Mrs. Maisel, so, like, it's going to look real nice. No. um, They are not paying me, but they are bringing me to New York for it. So Okay. And it's hard for women to get diagnosed with my disease because it's more common in men. So the fact that they're talking to female patients and thinking of putting one front and center is really exciting to me. So I'm hoping, and the the aim of it is to help people get diagnosed, to help people see it and think, oh, wow, those are my symptoms. I should talk to my doctor. So the average time between symptoms of ankylosing spondylitis showing up and getting diagnosed is nine years. So Wow. Yeah, and it's longer for women. So if I can cut down on that and, like, raise some awareness and also, like, have some fun and get to go to New York. So it's, like, I'm really excited about it. And when I audition for Survivor, it's some cool, like, B-roll footage for my tape. So, there you yeah. go. So, yeah, I'm psyched oh, for that. That's so, awesome. that's uh, right after Hanukkah, <laughs> I will be doing that. So Wow. Oh, so, I'm hoping that oh, all pans so out. Cool. So, that is awesome. uh, all that's going on in my life right now, I think. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. Um. Well, almost confirmed, definite, Sam and I mutually like each other yeah i definitely like him way more than he likes me because i'm crazy (laughs) but like we text every single day like every day um and the last like two days i was like oh like i i won't text him and also i thought that i fucked stuff up on friday night because i sent like a somewhat desperate text and i sent it to my ex because we had like been talking recently and she was like no it's fine you're being you're overreacting yeah and like he texted me first the last like two days Ooh. so like that's good i have a crush I on think a boy that that's right a now good sign. oh sorry really yeah oh it's nothing he's across the country and i don't want to have sex with men so nothing's ever going to happen to it but it's just fun because like he talks to me and i'm just like eee. so oh just fun. he's just a friend but like i just like love him a lot on a lot of levels so it's just fun yeah yeah 
That's cute. It's very harmless. I get crushes on guys all the time. I just don't ever want to do anything about them. So I just, mm. it's it's very pleasant because it like you, it lacks the, like the desperation or like the sadness of having a crush, you know, all of that is gone. It's just like purely a nice positive experience. So Damn. it's nice. Yeah. I wish. I want to kiss this boy so bad. Oh yeah. I don't want to kiss him at all. I just like get excited when he talks to me. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. More than that, I have a lot of fantasies about him hanging out with Bulby. Mm. So I just like I just really want him to have a positive relationship with my cat, and I I'm ready for that to happen now. Has he met Bobby? It's not happening. No. Why? Well, I don't know. We only went on like that one thing that may or may not have been a date. So Invite I'm trying him over to get to see another a movie. one to happen yeah. this week. So. Well, he'll meet Bobby when you go home for Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, I want him to meet Bulby before we're in the car. And yeah, like so Bulby there's your excuse has... right then. Say, uh, I think the cat should get to know you before you're stuck in a car together. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And then you bone him. <sighs> that's that's the dream. That I is know. really the dream. I was thinking yesterday while I was driving home. So I'm just in my car minding my own business. And I start thinking about fucking girls with strap-ons. And just thinking about how much I love that. And I was just like, yeah, oh, that might be my favorite sex act. I really, really? Yeah, I really like fucking girls. Well, duh. <laughs> yeah, but I like fucking them like with a penis that I'm wearing. Hmm. I think that might be my favorite kind of sex act. Because I don't super enjoy having things done to me because I don't like to be in touch with my emotions or my feelings. And um, I like doing things to girls. And I like turning girls on. And I feel like powerful and strong. And I don't know, I'm pretty into it. So I was just thinking about that yesterday. And that comes up kind of in our... In our episode that we're discussing. Or is that the next one? We watched two episodes, so I'm... We watched two episodes. Together. I don't it's know. It's the second I'm one. thinking about... Um, the second one is Shane the thing I'm thinking of. Heavy. Yeah, Shane and Sherry. There you go. Sherry Jaffe. Yeah, yeah, see? There you go. Oh, Shane. That was really hot. I yes, mean, it was. So, so you went back and watched it? I did. Oh, uh, so it was good. really hot. So, so, um, <laughs> uh, so should we talk about this week's episode now that I've transitioned into sex with women? Uh yeah. So this one Fine. was written by Adam Rapp. Yeah. Who is a YA author who I really love. So I was nervous about this because the L word is frequently so terrible and offensive. Um yeah. I think he did a pretty good job. I think that yeah. the there were more nuanced conversations in this uh, than there usually are. He didn't, you know, save the show or anything. And hilariously, the bit about how publishing works is so incredibly wrong. And I'm like, I know you know how publishing works, Adam. So what the fuck? But um, I, I, I do give. I don't get like super hung up on publishing is portrayed wrong in movies and TV shows and stuff. Wrong. Yeah, and like it's, you know what? It has to be more interesting. It's entertainment. I get it. I'm not getting hung up about it. And I think people who get really pedantic when their jobs are portrayed incorrectly on TV are so fucking annoying. Like, no, yeah. it's TV. It's not real. Like, it has to be hyped up for entertainment value. So, like, I'm not, I'm not bothered by it. Like, giving Jenny the advance check before she had signed anything, like, that would never happen. But, like, yeah. who the fuck cares, right? Like, whatever. So, um... I think that he did a pretty good job and that he managed to be less offensive than most people, like Eileen Shaken. And Yeah, um, that's for sure. There were some there were some scenes that I thought were really good. Like the opening scene with Bet and her gay boyfriend. Yeah, that was actually surprisingly good. And actually stuff with Tina that I want to talk about. What and I, happened with Tina this episode? Tina in this episode sat down and had the conversation with Helena about how straight women think and oh, yeah. could not decide whether to say them or us. And I think well, that was really nice. This really changed the way I'm looking at this whole Tina storyline. And I don't have any faith that this is something that's going to be like covered, but it made me think about it. So I had been thinking about this being sort of like a cheating by sort of storyline, right? With Tina. And that it was playing yeah. into this idea of bisexuals not being able to decide and just basically being really damaging in that way. Now oh, I'm okay. looking at it differently. Because I think, and I don't, just for clarity, I don't think this is anything the show is going to explore in any kind of detail. And I don't want to act like I'm giving it too much credit. This is more of like what I think they could have done with this. So I think every okay. queer person that I know has some sort of like worry that they're actually a cishet person just trying to be interesting. Like, I feel like everybody yeah. deep down has this worry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think we have someone like Tina who was only ever with men. And then she was with Bet, and she's been doing this for a bunch of years now. And I think if we if we really address this worry of like, oh my God, what if this was just me trying to be edgy and interesting and I'm not interested in women? Instead of this being, I'm interested in women, but I'm also interested in men, that we could actually have something really interesting that hasn't been covered. If this yeah. wasn't a question about bisexuality, but if the question was actually, what it, if, if it wasn't, what if I'm into men, but instead, what if I am not into women? Because yeah. I was in a long-term relationship with a man. So, and there were very many great parts of that relationship and there was enjoyable sex in it. And the, the idea that I couldn't, that, that it was possible that I wasn't into men was something that was really hard for me to reconcile because I had had this relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a really common experience that we don't talk about. But for me, I know I've said this before, the, the discovery that I am not into a certain gender was a lot more difficult for me than the discovery that I was into a certain gender. Because I think it's, I mean, it's a science thing, right? You can't prove a negative. It's, yeah. So, and I think we are, we're so often expected to prove negatives when it comes to defining our sexualities and even our gender identities. Um, and, and we don't discuss the difficulties of that. And I think that's something that could have been done here is Tina could be looking back at this relationship and thinking, we've had these great times. I mean, have they, but you know, whatever. And like, I loved her and stuff about the sex, but then still go, but what if I'm not? this person and it's just I wanted to be this person yeah so that's what I got out of that conversation that she was having with Helena when she just because um I know that it's pretty much the show just being biphobic that bisexuality isn't even mentioned um yeah yeah but if we look at it instead like Tina is never even allowed to consider it yes but if we pretend crazy it is crazy but if we pretend that the show isn't being biphobic if we pretend that they are consciously not talking about bisexuality because it's not what's in the conversation here then we actually have something interesting it it is very interesting Mm -hmm. and i definitely think like for tina it would make sense for her to be like i'm straight to then like i have never felt this way for anyone ever and suddenly she's in love with bet and suddenly like she and bet have been together for like eight years mm-hmm. you know like if you're if you're with someone for that long you make such an intense life change of course you're gonna think like oh i've done a 180 yeah you know so i think mm-hmm. it makes sense for her to be like i'm straight and then now i'm a lesbian and to never even like think that she might be bisexual because it was such an intense change in her life. It was so drastic. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, and rightfully so, really hate stories about gay people, quote, turning straight because they play into yeah. harmful narratives and everything. And yes. I completely understand that. At the same time, I personally would be super interested in a story about a lesbian who realizes that she's actually straight. Not that she's bi. For some reason, that doesn't interest me. But um, And it's also been done uh, very well in books like Ramona Blue. But the... Mm-hmm. Someone just realizing that identities are not theirs while still recognizing the strength and the validity of the identity that they did have for a while is something that I'm really drawn to. In one of my books that is not published, um, my main character identifies as bisexual and discovers as the book goes on that she's a lesbian. And that was really fun for me to write. Yeah. Um, because it includes a lot of discussions where she basically has a boy saying, aren't you a lesbian? She's like, what the fuck? No, I'm not a lesbian. And he's saying, well, you've mm-hmm. never been in love with um, any men like you were in love with this woman. And she says, well, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a lesbian. It could just be, you know, I happen to love this person more. And so there's a lot of discussions about the nuances between bisexuality and lesbianism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that there are conversations that we are not having as a queer community about the fluidity of labels because people feel abandoned when someone yeah. identified with them and now doesn't. And that's a reasonable feeling, but you can't let your abandonment feelings dictate other people's lives. You have yeah. to just deal with it. And I shit. feel like we like sort of have we have something or like I guess uh what's the word called? Something mm, I'm gonna need resembling. Me. Resembling. Okay. No, something resembling a conversation about that because we have queer people talking about like mm, well labels don't matter and i disagree with that i think yes. that labels are super important because it like identity having an identity leads to community mm-hmm. 
Um, and I'm super, super pro community because, like, I don't know, Judaism really like yeah, instilled yeah, that yeah, in yeah. me. And um, I think that what you're talking about is a conversation that like has been lacking because people would rather just be like, well, fuck a label. Yeah. You know, and I think that that is limiting and stupid. I think if people don't want to be, I think people who don't want to be labeled, it's totally fine. Um, The problem is when they try to enforce that as some sort of standard that everybody else should. Yes. That's what I'm trying to say, but it's not coming across Mm -hmm. that well because my knee is really hurting. So I can't really think. Like I was in, in my sign language class, our first day um, of my last class, we had to find uh, similarities between us and other people who were in our small groups. It's like an ice breaking exercise. And uh, we were asking, you know, okay, so uh, I have a dog. Does everyone else have a dog? No. Okay, move on. You know, stuff like that. So at one point, and um, the people in my group were a, it was me. It was a non-binary lesbian about my age and uh, two older women. Mm-hmm. Because sign language classes are very heavily skewed female. Um, but at one point I was like, okay, does everyone have a sister? Turned out everyone in the group had a sister. Wow. And then one of the, so I'm writing that down, and one of the older women, so one of the cis women, she's like, should we say we all have siblings because it's more gender neutral? And I was like, and everyone was like, oh, yeah, that's really great. And I was like, that's fine. And I did it, obviously, but I was like, at the same time, we can still all have sisters if we have sisters. Yeah. Like, my sister is not gender okay. neutral. And it's like, if, they're, yeah. if any of their sisters had been non-binary, like, that's fine if they didn't identify as women or as sisters. But the fact of the matter was, in that situation, we all had four sisters. Like, this, that was the reality of it. And I think it gets to the point where we're so afraid of labeling stuff that we don't label things that it's okay to label. Like, my sister is a woman. Yeah. Everyone else's their sister happened to be a woman. Like, it's okay to do it. And yeah. So it was, and and it wasn't even the non-binary person suggesting it, which was another thing. So it was just like a weird sort of situation for me where I felt as if almost I was being scolded for saying that I have a sister. And it's... That's so weird. Right. And I think that that's what happens when we try to take the the labeling, like the no labels thing and and apply it to people who never asked not to be labeled and in fact deny Mm -hmm. them their ability to label themselves. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, and it's just, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a personal individual choice. And when we try to, to propose, you know, worldwide standards on it, it's like, it, you can't do that. Just let people live their fucking lives. And it's like, people have so many feelings about themselves being labeled that they use it to dictate other people. And it's like, yeah, just mind your fucking business, yeah. especially in the bathroom. We've learned this. <laughs> what a good line. Yes. Okay. We're amazing. We are. Okay. Let's um, let's actually talk about what happened in this episode of The L Word. So we mentioned a little bit about Jenny uh, and the publisher. So Jenny's got a, an agent now. No, she doesn't even have an agent. She's nope, just no, getting published. She's just getting published. <laughs> I mean, it, it yeah. does make some sense because she's got a connection here. This is uh, mm-hmm. her friend's mom. So, okay, she would never fly out to california to talk to her she would just call her on the fucking phone like a normal person but you know that's not cinematic so fine yeah i get it I yeah get it. no one wants to watch a phone conversation on a tv show that's fine so um yeah the yeah. editor wants to publish her book but wants her to make it a memoir versus a novel because it's already very much based on her life which is a common theme for jenny because she can't write fiction yep this happens so much on tv shows is characters who write novels end up just writing about their lives and i get it because it's it's a shortcut for the writers of the show they don't have to come up with a plot they can just use the plot that they've already written for this character um yeah they're like i came up with one plot for the show now i have to go over the whole separate thing and i get that like i've had characters who i've written who are writing things and for some reason it's just impossible to come up with an idea for them because it's hard enough to come up with ideas on my own i'm not gonna give my good shit away to my characters so yeah i get you and you like want it to have enough metaphorical resonance that it doesn't just feel like thrown in there but you don't want it to it's it's a whole thing so i get it i get it um so jenny after looking at the check does agree to write a memoir yeah but it's also kind of interesting because like that was a criticism from her writing teacher Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and also um her second book is literally the l word 
And then that becomes a TV show. I do know that. So that's like the plot of like season six. (sighs) It's good. No, season five and six, I think. Six, she's dead. So. so. Yeah, but it's all like flashbacks and whatever. True. So. Yeah. Excited for her to die. (laughs) Um. So Max starts the transition process at the very end of this one. Um. He talks to. Yeah. He talks to Billy, you, who's Billy, Alan yeah. coming, gives him uh, black market testosterone. Don't do it, kids. Which is just so stupid. Like, that's just not even a situation. I mean, like, people do it, but... Really? I'm sure. I don't know for sure. Well, I mean, I think probably less now than they used to. It's, yeah. It's easier like, to transition I don't now than it was 10 years ago. Yeah, that's true. Hello, Bean. That's true. None of the trans um, men that I know are, like, ever did that. Um, well, have so... a, do any of our listeners know anything about this? Would you like to weigh in? Yeah, please weigh in if you do. Um, yeah, it just seems, like, stupid and unrealistic. Yeah, and I mean, it's I don't for the drama. get it. And, but it yeah. just seems like such bad advice for Billy to give. Billy has been very like supportive of max and like wanting to like show him a nice entrance into the trans world and now all of a sudden he's like well how about some black market testosterone and i just feel like it doesn't add up with what we've seen it doesn't of, add up yeah but we also see especially in our next episode we see billy really going off the rails and just not doing well so i think he's just making yeah. some poor decisions yeah yeah so jenny walks That's in on true. billy he's blowing max right blowing max's strap on yeah, I don't understand that. I mean, I, I sort of get it. It's not like, obviously, you're not like deriving sexual pleasure from it, but it's still like a sexual experience. Yeah. So, like, I get it. It's not sex, but it's like, I don't even know, you could call it sex, but it's just like, it's like a bonding, affirming sort of thing. Like, I get it. Um, And Jenny is like pretty cool with it once it's explained yeah. to her. It's because she's, like, she has a bond with Max. Yeah. And she's still, like, fuck Billy, like, whatever. Do you see this cat? I do. I see she's eating your finger. She is. She's just biting the shit out of me. Because that's what she does. Okay. I love her. Yeah, she's great. (laughs) Oh. Oh, she's so mad. Okay. Um, That's so cute. So, yes. No, I don't think, I think that's all we get with Max really this one okay um all right let's talk about um let's talk about shane and carmen yeah so shane and carmen yeah are having like their morning after discussion after shane has sex with sherry jaffe um i like that they didn't just have them break up over this because i always find that really unrealistic and annoying on tv shows when couples someone cheats and then it's just like that's the end so i liked that there was actually yeah i mean i don't Hmm. i don't get cheating i don't care about it because I don't care about monogamy. So for me, cheating plot lines are really fucking boring. But like, I think about Grey's Anatomy. Are you familiar with Grey's Anatomy? I can't remember. Um, I've never seen it, but like, I don't know. Okay, so there's a married couple in Grey's Anatomy. And um, the guy in the couple uh, slips up, sleeps with some girl he met at a bar. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no emotional feelings whatsoever. It's just, he's sad. Oh, he had a fight with that's the, just kind of yeah, like, He had a fight with whatever. the wife. He meets a girl at the bar. And has sex with her, feels terrible about it, hides it from her for a while, but eventually comes clean. And, like, the wife is, like, devastated by this. Like, she's, he tells her about it, and she's, like, in the bed just, like, sobbing. And I can never get behind this scene because I don't care. Yeah. If I was with someone and they meant someone had sex with her, I'd be like, uh, did you use a condom? Did you give me anything? And other than that, I just, I don't give a shit. Like, I... Yeah, I feel like it makes a difference if, like, they have actual romantic feelings for the other person. Yeah, that's a different thing. But... Yeah. So, the Sherry thing is more complicated, but at the same time, yeah, I like that this was a conversation. And that it wasn't yeah. just the end of them. Uh, Shane could have yeah. been more apologetic. She really could have. Yeah. I mean, she really didn't seem to give a shit about Carmen's emotions, and it's like... Nope. You're kind of in a relationship with... Carmen, maybe you should care about what she's yeah. feeling. And I could tell that, like, she felt bad and just, like, didn't really know how to express that. But that didn't really feel like a Shane thing to me. That felt like sort of like the yeah. 
the the representation of Shane and not the actual yeah. Shane that we've come to know. Because Shane is not like emotionally closed off and and unwilling to talk about stuff. Yeah. That's kinda like, you know, the first three episodes Shane that we saw back in season one. Like actual yes. Shane, who we've come to know, is like supportive and open and loving and very sensitive. And uh this didn't feel like that. Yeah. But at the I same agree. time Carmen's so annoying. I would cheat on her too, so Carmen's been really annoying, but she also like, I don't know, showed some complexity in this episode that was really nice where she was like, I'm really upset that you cheated on me with this person that you used to have a relationship with, which I think is valid. Yeah. But then she also like is like, Well, maybe you should eat. Mm-hmm. You know. And then throws pizza at her, which is nice. I enjoyed that. Yeah. It's funny on 1.8 speed because it's like she's like there's like hurling that pizza real fast. Um, I like the scene when she they were in the shower. hurling it at regular speed too. Yeah. When she was when they were in the shower together and then we could see both their tits. That part was nice. Yeah, I yeah. Favor that. Shane looked really good. She did. Um, Except not when uh, not when Carmen blew the the what is it? The oh, the fire, fire extinguisher. extinguisher at her, which stresses me the fuck out because it is really toxic Is you it? should not be breathing that in yeah it's really unhealthy oh i didn't know that that's good to know yeah it's really really bad for you so stressed <laughs> um but i'm also stressed for them literally breathing every episode because they're all gonna get lung cancer because it's so unhealthy to live in los angeles yeah they're gonna die it's um <laughs> speaking of dying dana yeah. Um, um, so she. Yeah, isn't that the episode when she goes in and gets the. She gets her surgery. Yeah, she gets her surgery. And yeah. so she's not too insu- insufferable in this one because she's unconscious for a lot of it. Thank God. Oh, God. Um, I really, like, really felt for her in this episode because every time she spoke, she was just, like, so high. And I was like, yeah, that was me, like, a year ago in December when I got my tits cut off. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, that's true. So how does this relate to your tits getting cut off experience? Um, well, they didn't fucking wrap me up with an ace. <laughs> like, what the fuck? They have, like, they have, what is it called? Like, surgery bras. Yeah. So I got one of those. That was kind of nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also, I don't know. I was not in a weird-ass room like that. I was in the <laughs> anesthesia recovery room. Yeah. But also, this is different. She was getting a mastectomy and not a breast reduction. Yeah. So <laughs> I honestly don't know the difference between one or the other. I mean, like, I do. But they said that they had to take out a bunch of muscle and stuff for her. So it went not yeah. how they were expecting. So, yeah, the cancer is worse than they thought. So I guess it makes more sense than I remember it making because it, like, had spread. Yeah. So well, she- that's why she's going to die so quick. No, she's going to die from an infection, right? I'm pretty sure. Well, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. So you that's say that every up. time, and I'm always like, yeah. she and does what like... now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I only know from reading episode summaries. I haven't actually seen it, so we'll see. Um, yeah, I just remember her dying, and she has breast cancer, so. Yeah. yeah. Her friends all um, find out and come to the hospital. Okay, yes. so this is where I need to know if I'm a weirdo. Because okay. this is something that I, like, deal with. And I think it has something to do with, like, having a chronic illness that isn't exciting but like for me whenever i see scenes like this where someone's in a hospital bed and they're like surrounded by people who love them being all like sweet and gentle i get so fucking jealous and i'm like i want to be in a hospital bed surrounded by people who love me is this weird yes or no nope yay (laughs) i always just like i look at that and i'm like the whole idea of being in a hospital for me is nice because, like, and, and granted, the times that I've been in a hospital, I've hated it. So I'm not delusional here. Yeah. But yeah. the idea of it, like, the, the romantic notion of a hospital where you don't have to do fucking anything and people are just going to take care of shit. you. And there are people whose literal job is to make sure that you are okay. That's that's nice, right? So, yeah. And that then, was the best thing about recovering from my breast reduction it was like the the only time my parents actually seemed to give a shit about yeah, my well-being see? <laughs> uh, i remember when i was in the hospital for lyme and i got my weird e- ekg and my um ecg and my mom's like oh, i need to call your dad and everyone was all worried about my heart and i was like oh look at me i'm a wilting flower like it was like it's awesome yes <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> so, okay. So good. I'm glad I'm not weird. I mean, I just, I really like attention and I really like not having to do things. So when you put those things That's together, <laughs> lying in a hospital bed, being doted on is really, it's like the pinnacle. So, yeah. okay, good. Glad it's not just me. So yeah, I was very it jealous of Dana in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I did not like that. Um, wait, yeah, this was the episode where they like her parents were there and they were like, yes, fuck off, Laura, fuck off, Alice. And I mean, Alice was super nice to Laura mm-hmm. in a way that was like, like, finally, yeah. you know, she's like actually stepping up for Dana in a way that like is good and matters and is not like needy and wanting to be her girlfriend again. Yeah. Um, which I think is good. And um, I think it is really representative. I like the conversations that we have surrounding Dana's hospitalization and her cancer as a gay person because, like, everyone in her life has no legal right to Mm -hmm. know anything that's happening to her. But, like, her parents weren't there for her literally ever. They just, like, sucked so hard. Um, which is pretty standard for gay people of, like, their generation. Yeah. Like, I definitely think it's different for yours and for mine, Mm -hmm. but also, like, I have a relatively bad relationship with my parents just in general. So, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think this is something that's harder for younger gays to really understand, and even I'm really only on the cusp of this. Um, It's fears about what's going to happen if my partner is in a hospital these used to be this used to be a big worry especially when Mm -hmm. we think about hiv aids um and the fact that hospitalization used to be a lot more common in the gay community than it is nowadays thank god um we and now there's so many more legal protections in place even outside of a legal marriage which of course more and more gay people are opting to do there are more protections in place for same-sex couples And this used to be such a worry. And it used to be back in like the 90s and stuff, like the main reason that gay people wanted to be able to marry was because of hospital visitation rights. And that's like, it sounds like I'm exaggerating if you weren't around then. And like I said, even I was just a kid then. But this is the reality is that dying used to be fucking part of the gay experience. And I know that I'm saying this as an outsider, as a lesbian, and as someone who was born in 1991, but I'm trying to look at my history here. Um, And the idea that that something could happen to our partners and we would not be able to be there and we would not get information was like the the reason to get married. Yep. It was about that sort of legal protection. And now, of course, marriage is legal and a bunch of us are going, "Eh, I don't want that. That's for heterosexuals. So, like, you know, it cuts both ways. But yeah yeah um but i mean if you aren't aware like there's so much access to like queer history that talks about this which is super mm-hmm, fascinating mm-hmm. like i love queer history oh my like, god it's I want amazing that to be my major it's fantastic it's a little late for that i also want to be a, a rabbi but <laughs> every time i get drunk now i'm like uh i want to be a rabbi be and a everyone around me like that's everyone has been telling me i would be a great rabbi and you my would. parents were like we're not gonna pay for that Fuck, your like, parents. fuck you guys <laughs> <laughs> oh man maybe i'll do it maybe i will yeah, have you'd my be an awesome like, rabbi. midlife crisis at 25 i love it rabbi. it's perfect <laughs> um i was thinking i was at my friend's wedding as we know in chicago and we were talking this I was, is the one where your um ex was yeah okay, so cool. me and my ex and our friend were talking about how did we think that galen the one who got married would be the first of us to get married and yeah. we were all saying no. And then we were asking who they thought was going to be next. And they said, well, my ex is now in a serious relationship. So we said it would be him. But then we were asking about me and Alex. And he said he thought it would be me first. And I was like, I don't even know if I want to get married. What I'm leaning towards at this point in terms of that is that I would want to have like a ceremony, a religious ceremony and get to wear the white dress and have everybody look at me and everybody cry. But I feel like I don't want a legal marriage at this point. Yeah. And that's just, like, where my heart is at. And I feel like so many... Um, so many the reasoning for that? I know, so many people are, like, the opposite, right? Like, they don't want the big party. They just want the legal marriage. Um, I feel... Oh, no. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm Jewish. I need a very expensive wedding. Exactly. That's the thing, is I want the party, <laughs> and I want the dancing, and I want a rabbi. And mm. I want to look pretty, and I want everyone to have pictures of me. 
Um, but I feel like, uh, I, I mean, I'm kind of, it's kind of in the separatist camp, right? Is that I feel like gay people didn't need marriage for so long to be valid. Like we needed it for fucking hospital protections and shit. But yeah. <laughs> I feel like we have never been allowed to do this. And now we've been allowed to for three years. And it just doesn't feel like, I don't know. I mean, like, there is nothing wrong with gay people getting married, obviously. But for me, it's just like, it's not my kind of queer. Like, I feel like it's just a little too assimilationist for me. That's just my feelings. Um, I feel like there's, you know, there's different, like, types of gay people in terms of how we relate to the world and how we relate to it being a primarily heterosexual world. And some people are like, everybody's the same it's just a matter of like who we love and stuff i know and you're making a face and like honestly but like i have (laughs) i have gay friends who were just who were like that who were like there's no difference between me and straight people except for who we're attracted to and that's That's totally heteroapologistic and i hate that shit listen it's their choice and it's their personalities and that's fine i feel like i'm a different fucking species of creature like i feel like i crawled out of the primordial ooze in a different spot than the straight people did like i'm just i'm not the same kind of person (laughs) so i'm i look at them and i'm just like oh like i like heterosexuals i'm like oh they're nice but like i just i don't feel connected to them so for me it's very much like i don't want to do their thing i don't need their thing they didn't give it to us for so long I had a yeah. I had a really big fight with a friend last week who um it was a friendship ending fight with this person and she um I won't get into too much detail but she was talking about the term family values. And this is a heterosexual white privileged married woman with six kids. Yeah, she's Mormon. Six kids. She's Mormon. So she was <sighs> saying that she is trying to tell people that family values includes gay people because it includes loving your gay son and gay marriage and all of that stuff and that she's trying to to uh have a renaissance i guess of the term family values and reclaim it to include gay people and i said no i said family values has been used as a dog whistle against our community since the term was invented you a straight cis person do not get to turn around and say guys you have to be happy with the term family values now because it includes you i will Mm. never trust anybody who uses the phrase family values because i know what that means and it doesn't include me and my kind of family and the reason that it doesn't is because you wouldn't let us in for a million years so we made our own fucking families and if you want to use the term family values maybe you try looking at our families and using some of our values and then she got real pissy with me because i was burning bridges and not willing to compromise or some fucking bullshit and i'm like the reason we didn't compromise is because you all have treated us like shit since the beginning of time and it's not our responsibility to come to you now so fucking go away it's like it was a big fight and the whole thing happened but anyway that's just how i feel about heterosexuals and that i'm not interested in being under their family values umbrella because i don't trust this is something that we're gonna talk about with queers folk because there's a politician who uses the term family values and it's a fantastic plot line but i don't trust anyone who uses the term family values and a lot of that is fucking because of queers folk so you'll get there too but it's just i'm this is a dog whistle. You can't tell me now that I have to be happy with a dog whistle. Mm-mm. Okay, that's fair. I don't like the term family values because I don't think it fucking means anything. Yeah. And I think it is a Christian mm-hmm. straight word. And I've never heard a Jew use it literally that's ever. Very and I don't true. think it means anything. And Christians want us to fit into their mold and their world. And that has never been my world, so I'm not interested. Exactly. There was a breakdown of the midterm election demographics that included religion and of course i had someone going why are yes. they even asking this question it doesn't matter and it's like that's because you think of us all as the same and let me promise you you're not thinking of us all as jews okay you're not looking at mm-hmm. all white people and going oh they're basically jewish you're not doing that you're looking at all white people and thinking oh well they're all some flavor of christian and it's all pretty much the same and it's just that's no we are three nope. percent but we are allowed three percent all right like it's we control the media of course we control the weather <laughs> I mean, we control this this podcast. We media, do. <laughs> the Jews are controlling this whole podcast. I'm doing control in sign language now, so <laughs> you know it's legit. Okay, so anyway, what the fuck were we talking about before I went into that? Oh, Dita's parents. I don't know. 
Um, Dana's parents in hospital rights. Um, oh, they're, they're the fucking worst. Yeah, so... We're her family, and, like, I don't know, I was just watching it being like, are you, though? Where the fuck have you been uh, from, for the last two seasons? Yeah, from a narrative standpoint, the inclusion of Dana's parents bothered me because it was so clearly only there to redeem Alice. The only reason they were there was so Alice could defend Lara. Like, from a storytelling standpoint. And that bothered me because it just mm. felt so transparent. It's like, we okay. need we need Alice to step up and be good now after she's been terrible for the, re- the beginning of the season because she's going to be the person who's good with the cancer. So we need to have a moment of her being heroic and standing up to the, for the partner. And it was just, it felt very I manufactured. Like was, I feel like Alice has been getting better the last few episodes in terms of Dana stuff. Like, even like the last episode, she had a decent interaction with Lara. Um, not perfect, but it was like better than the first episode yeah. you know, where she was like, my medicine's giving me Tourette's, and it's like, shut the fuck up, Alice. Yeah. Um, God. But, I mean, yeah. you know I'm not interested in the redemption of Alice, so. I know you're not, um, but I feel like this this part of her character is, like, where we get into, like, who Alice actually is. Yeah. Like, I feel like we've been, like, Alice, her character has been lost for the last, like, season yeah <laughs> and you know season's worth and i feel like we're finally getting back to like who she is and like who she is through this arc to the end of the show is like the alice that i actually like okay well then i look forward to it so yeah um also i think that uh having laura call alice and then alice call dana's parents is necessary for having those hospital gay rights conversations that's true um and so i, I think what you're saying makes sense, but I don't think it was the only reason because I do think that they wanted to make a statement about gays in hospitals because it's typically been like a gay male conversation mm-hmm. um, and to show that it's also an issue for the lesbian community was probably important in 2006. Actually, the so. only time they really do this conversation in Queer's Folk is with the lesbians. Really? Uh, it's in the very first season, so it was in 2000, um, and the two lesbians have a baby. And yeah. the baby has a fever and they bring it to the hospital and they will only let the biological mom go through. And then the biological dad shows up and they let him go through. And uh, there's a lot of tension between they're two of my favorite characters and they're always at each other's throats. And it's really great. They have great conversations between the non-biological mother and the biological father. And he okay. shows up at the hospital. These two characters who don't like each other. And the nurse says, well, you can go. And he says, I'm not going without her. And the non-biological mother says, no, go. It's fine. Because all she cares about is the baby and that somebody is with the baby. Um, And it's a really, there's a fantastic scene where she yells at the hospital receptionist. And it's it's really well done. But I like that when they chose to do that uh, conversation, they, they did it with the lesbians. And then later, when a character with HIV is in the hospital and his partner says, can I stay with him? And they say, are you family? And he says, I'm his lover. He says, yes, you can stay. And it's kind of subverts oh. that. It's You're not expecting it to happen. And it's like, yeah. and he just says, I'll get you a blanket and a pillow. And he's like, oh. So it, it was nice to see a little subversion of that too. Um, yeah. Because it's, you know, it's wow. not all bad. So oh, I'm so excited to talk about Queer's Folk. I'm so excited. I know. I'm, I'm pretty sure that there's myself. a similar scene with Bet and Tina and the baby. Mm. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure it might be word for word what happens in Queerest Folk. Yeah. The L word does like to echo stuff that happens in Queerest Folk, which I understand and I don't judge. Yeah. It's important because it's it's a different audience. So you're bringing the same sort of conversations to a different audience and it's from the same network. So it makes sense that they're going to be some crossover. And I tend, I try to think of it as like Easter eggs more than like copying. Like I think of them as sort of being in the same universe in a way. So yeah, yeah. we're just, it's just an East coast, West coast sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Um, who haven't we touched on? What happens with Helena and Dylan? Oh God, I don't care. You can talk about them. I just, I don't care. Um, they just sort of, I think they have a conversation about where they are and Dylan's like, uh, I want to sleep with you and Helena and her sleep together. And then I think they are like, what the fuck are we doing? I think that's it. And then Helena has that conversation with um, Tina about being straight. Yeah, I'm so confused about Helena's position on the show right now. Because I feel like she's just not tightly connected to the cast at all. And then she's got... She and 
Alice are supposed to be best friends right now, but other than that, like, really nothing. I don't see that at all. And she is, and she has a love interest now who's not in the cast. So yeah. it just feels like she's some sort of side plot that's thrown in there. And I just, I don't feel invested in her journey at all. And I'm really confused. She is a side plot. Yeah. So. And I'm really just confused as to why they've taken the character who's the least bonded with the rest of the cast and then given her a plot with a character that has just been introduced who we don't know and expected mm-hmm. us to be invested in this. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's confusing. Yeah, I like that her relationship with... Uh, I like the way that her relationship with Tina functions right now, though. Yeah, I do, too. Yeah, it's much better than before, and I think it functions really oh, well. Oh, God, so. yes. Not pregnant Tina is far superior to pregnant Tina. For sure. Yeah. Um, And then I think that is it, because it was mostly about... Um, Max, and then oh wait, no, 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 we forgot about Kit and Mangus. Um, they I think they sleep together this episode. Yes, and then Bet and Tina discovered it. Yeah, and he's like, I don't want to be your boy toy. I think that was this episode. I can't and remember. She was like, yikes! She does not look good this episode. So <laughs> no, just... she's not been looking good lately. Um, nope. What did Bet do? Anything? I think she was just mad and was like, don't, don't have sex in my house. Yeah. But I just mean in this episode, Bet and Tina are in such a strange fucking place. Like that scene where they got the groceries out of the car right before they discovered Kit and Mangus. And it's like, these two people clearly Um, just fucking hate each other and have no relationship. They also have the biggest bed I've ever seen. And they really do. It's like a room. I'm really jealous. I love that bed. Um, but <laughs> yeah. they like it's it's kind of like out in the open now that at some point Tina is going to sleep with a man, and this is not okay yeah, with Beth. They're just sort of like living together because yeah. Beth wants the baby in her life or something. Yeah, there's just no bond between these people. There's absolutely no consideration for the other one's feelings. Yeah, and it's it's really super baffling. Cannot explain. It's stupid. All right. Well, I think. I think that's going to have to be it for now. All right. Sounds good to me. All right. Let us talk about Tomboy Toes. Okay. So Tomboy Toes is a, um, it's a shoe company that sells masculine shoes for anyone with small feet. Um, Or big feet. So that includes, what? They have big feet too. Small feet or big feet. Well, they do. They go up to like 11.5 in in women's. That's pretty big. Um. Yeah, that is pretty big, but it's it was designed with yeah, sorry. people with small feet in mind. It was. So that's like women, um, trans men, uh, non-binary people, and just like butch people too. Yeah, and just men um, with small feet. Yeah, men with small feet. You can go and hit them up. And also they do all of their shoe sizes in um, like European sizing. So it's not labeled like men's and women's. It's just like whatever the number is. Um, but I don't really know those numbers, so... If you you are a size 10 women's, get a 40. That's what I can help you with. I wore a fucking size 9 shoes around New York all this weekend because I'm an idiot and my feet hurt so much. So, buy your proper size. That's a public service announcement from Hannah. Yeah, please do. Um, and they're actually going to be doing a sale for um, Black Friday. So this sale starts Thursday the 22nd and runs until midnight on Friday. And it's for Black Friday. The promo code is BF2018. So Black Friday 2018. BF2018. Very nice. Um, Yeah, and that's a 15% discount. And quick reminder that this is a small queer-owned business, so they deserve your money. You're not giving your money to some, like, evil shoe corporation. It's a nice Yeah, you're actually giving it to some cool-ass people. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Definitely look at your shopping there. Maybe you got some people on your wish list who would like some shoes. And now you can get, um, how much off do you get with the code? It is 15% off 15%. and it is their biggest discount of the year. Oh, shit. So that's pretty huh? fucking cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to look. I'm going to get some shoes. Yeah. And then we also have, um, our other sponsor, which is BarkBox. Arf, Hannah, do arf, you want to tell us about BarkBox? Arf, arf. I want to bark. BarkBox. I love BarkBox because I like dogs. Is that true? Yeah, I like certain dogs. So BarkBox is 
a subscription service for your dog every month or maybe once every two months if that's the plan you sign up for it's up to you you're gonna get a box in the mail and that box is full of shit for your dog like treats and toys and uh you can tell them online like what kind of dog you have what kind of stuff your dog likes if your dog has any like allergies i'm pretty sure you can tell them like please don't send me treats with this shit um and uh my co-host on welcome to degrassi miss cat helgeson loves bark box gets it for her dogs they love it if you have a cat it also comes in a box so everyone gets to get in on the fun um we have a code for you so you can get a month free so then you can get a box and then you can see if you like it and then you can get more of them or not we don't care yeah you do you and that code well so you go to get com slash lesbian no sorry fuck what is it i have it written down somewhere i think it's lesbian and 20 i always isn't lose it? it no that's the code no, oh no it is lesbian 20 you're right <laughs> fuck yeah <laughs> So you go to getbarkbox.com slash lesbian20 and use the code PBFEM. So that's P-B-F-E-M. If you have trouble Again, that is... remembering, just remember how many lesbians you would like to be surrounded by. So 20. And then yes. go remember what you would like a femme to serve you for an after sex snack, which is a peanut butter sandwich. So you just go to lesbian20 <laughs> and then PBFEM. There you go. Yes. Yeah. So that is all you have to do, and you can get some cool dog shit. Not actual dog shit. No. Just stuff for your dog. Stuff for your dog. <laughs> yeah. And it can give us some money, which is super lit. Yes. Pay your lesbians and bisexuals. Pay one and a half lesbians. I feel like yes. I've been shitting on Are femmes, you? and then I had a whole thing about wanting to fuck girls with my penis. So now I want to just put out there that I am a femme, and I love femmes, just for the record. Because I feel bad for um, shitting on them. Do we want to do the thing that we do? Hot or not? Yes. I would be devastated if we didn't. Cool. Um, who is your hot? <sighs> Jenny. Why? Because she's really receptive when the editor comes to her with what she needs to do for her book to get published. Um, she's adorably excited about the money. Um, and she's supportive of Max, even though Max is kind of cheating on her. That's fair. Um, God, I want to give mine to Alice, obviously, because I love her. But also because I think that she's doing, like, a really good job of being a good friend and, like, you know, not being, like, all up in her feelings about, yeah, her ex, so... Not. Um, I think it's gotta be Bet for just being a okay. complete non-entity and not even managing to scrounge up any feelings about this thing that's going on with Tina, positive or negative. She's just like a blank brick wall. That's fair. That is fair. Uh, I'm gonna give my not to. Give it to Shane. She's never going to get it any other time. I know. I'm really... I'm tied between Shane and Max, so I'm going to give it to both of them. Shane, because she just, like, cannot muster any fucking emotions about cheating on her girlfriend, and it seems like she doesn't even give a shit that her girlfriend wants to have this conversation with her um, until she cries in the bathroom. And even then, it's like, you should have cried earlier, my dude. Um... But then also Max for doing black market testosterone. And I just, like, can't condone that. Yeah, that's not a good idea. Especially because it's, like, in L.A. in 2006, it wasn't that hard to get access to testosterone. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've never tried to get testosterone in 2006 or any other year. So I cannot weigh in. There's, I, I don't know. It just wasn't that hard to do it based off of my knowledge. So Weigh in. Tell us if we're right. Yeah. Um, all right. So I guess let's talk about uh, the episode that we watched for next week. Yes. <laughs> um, Lone Star. Um, so Tina takes a business trip to Vancouver to talk to the dude Josh that she's into. Um, and then back in L.A., Dana's cancer treatments put a strain on her and Lara's relationship because she's an absolute cunt. Yep. Um Helena continues her secret romance with Dylan. 
Jenny helps Max um, become Max. Jenny travels to New York City to meet with uh, an editor. Um, and Carmen and Shane to decide to get matching tattoos out of their renewed love. Ugh. Weird. Um, and the Wikipedia says that Alice reverts back to her old self in her obsession over Dana. I don't think that's true. It's because she's looking for that cardboard thingy because Uda told her to get it. Yeah, that's not and, really what happens. Yeah, it's not really an obsession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Kit finally takes control over the situation at the planet um, by firing the self-destructive Billy while she continues her romance with Mangus. Sounds good. So that's it. Yeah. Um, so we will see you guys. Wait, they have to pay next- us. Oh, wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys better pay us. I want to give a huge fucking shout out to Benny for giving us so much money every month. I love Benny. Um, over at Steady HQ. Um, someone decided to start paying us at Libra Pay. So that means that someone is like really behind in our episode. But I love it. Thank you. Yeah. If you're that person, uh, please switch to Steady HQ. I mean, like, we'll take your money, but it's better to do the service that we're currently doing. So, yeah, um, I still haven't figured out how to do the payouts, so I got to email them. Yeah. Figure out what what that's up to. Yikes. Okay. But we're currently at 15% of our monthly goal of $100. So, yeah, please help us get to $100 a month. That would be litty as fuck. <laughs> um, and we also have social media. Wait, wait, wait. Can you tell Twitter. them how to pay us on Study HQ? They need, like, a URL. Oh, no. You go to uh, studyhq.com slash en slash so lesbian. Also, that link is always in the description of our episode as our, uh, our sponsorship for BarkBox. And also our, um, our thing that you can do to pay us to get us to say shit. Yes. You can have us... You could pay us, and I would be like, I'm a lesbian, I never suck dick, or whatever you want me to say. I'll say that for um, free. Yeah, Hannah will say that for free. I'll say it for pay. Um, <laughs> no, I hate sucking that. dick. I hate it. You can go to uh, uh, Pocket Podcast Network, click on the donate link, click on uh, That's a Lesbian, and pay us. It's only 30 bucks to get us to pay to say stuff. And I know that for um, my brother, my brother and me, which is like the biggest podcast out there, you have to pay like a hundred bucks to get them to say stuff. So oh, wow. we're just the cheap version. We're of a bargain. Yeah, we really are. Yeah. Um, and it's truly priceless to get your favorite queer people to say shit. Yeah. So. And you so you can make us, us say like humiliating shit. Or, like, something funny or, like, a shout-out to your mom for her birthday if your mom is a big fan of our lesbian podcast. Or, like, yeah. an advertisement if you have something that you want us to promote. Yeah. If you're a writer, you got a book coming out and you want us to mention it, we will do it. And we will, like, go all out, too. This isn't going to be like, oh, we, we say really it's a throwaway sentence. Like, we will commit to the bit. So, yeah. like, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. You just yeah. have to pay us some fucking money. <sighs> Um, so that is that. We also can be found on all forms of social media except for Snapchat and Instagram. So, <laughs> like, just the ones old people use. Yeah, so Facebook, we are on there. Uh, you should find our Facebook group that's So Lesbian Fans, Podcast Fans, or whatever. Um, that is also in the link in the description. Our um, Facebook page that you can like is still behind the time, so I'd recommend not doing that. And our Twitter's a little bit more active. That is um, at so lesbian PPN, um, and you can just go and follow us there. And also, Hannah's on Twitter is at Hannah Mosk. I sure I'm am. I'm on Twitter's at Jesse underscore Quinn. And those we're really active on. We tweet every day. If you want to know what's happening with my crush on a daily basis, I tweet about it every single day. Not using his name though. Of course. Um. That you'll have to follow my Finstas, so. You mentioned it on this, so they already know his name. I, I said his name? Yes. Fuck. <laughs> well, it's a very generic Jewish boy name, it so is. it's fine. It is. And there's no way he's listening to this because he's not a lesbian. He should listen to this. Or half of a lesbian, <laughs> like me. 
If you listen to this, you would know how obsessed I am with him, and that is problematic. <laughs> but he'd also know what a great podcaster you are, and it would up your stock, so. Well, I already have enough stock. He heard me sing this weekend, and I am very good at singing. Well, there you go. What so. did you sing? I sang I Am Playing Me from Title of Show. I don't know it, but I bet it was great. It was good. It was good. Um, yeah. If you want to hear more about it, uh, listen to next week's episode. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for listening. Adopt a cat. Adopt a cat. I am Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.